<laughs> Baby, you make me wish I had three hands. Well, I think you're doing just fine with two. <laughs> Excuse me, baby. We'll pick this up later. Hello, and welcome to the third ever episode of Trash Talk, Every Frame a Dumpster Fire, question mark. Is it? I don't know. About to find out. Uh, I am TK, a.k.a. Trash, the creator of this podcast and everything else Trash, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Eric. Hello there. And today we'll be talking about the original Total Recall. I say the original because I've already forgot when it came out. 1990, Paul Verhoeven directed with this, a guy who also directed Robocop, uh, Showgirls, and Basic Instinct, and a few other movies as well, but he's mostly known for those. The Robocop, that one makes sense. This movie has a lot in common with Robocop. Has it very late 80s, 90s, like... Ultra-violent. Ultra-violent. Sort of anti-authoritarianism. Like, a type of practical gore that is... Yeah. Actually gross, not like yes. not like modern movie super fake blood everywhere gross. This is back when big budget studio movies could get away with just crazy head explosions and yeah. and bizarre, bizarre like physical like, dis- hey, dismemberment. Hey Arnie, for this scene, put on a rubber fat a rubber face mask of yourself that's actually a <laughs> balloon and we'll we'll slowly inflate we'll pop it. the eyes, yeah. It's great. Like, oh, I I miss head explosions in cinema, I've got to say. Like, we're we're so far away from the Scanners era of head explosions, I'm a bit... I'm disappointed by that. I I wish it was the 80s when it came to head explosions. I don't, but (laughs) that's fine. Hollywood needs to to grow a pair and give us some head explosions. That's what Dune was missing, head explosions. (laughs) Yeah, I think it would have been a perfect movie. It had some head explosions. Can we get a worm head explosion? Ooh. A four hundred a four hundred meter worm head explosion? That would be quite something. Ugh. But so we have total recall. One of I'll lead by saying, yeah, this is one of my favorite science fiction movies of the nineties. One of my favorite uh I just think this movie is very, very watchable. Sure. I, I love how <laughs> fast paced it is. I, I, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger in the role. I think this is just a fun, fun movie, and it has some interesting sci-fi depths. But this movie, sort of fun fact, was written by Dan O'Bannon, John Povell, and uh, Robert uh, Skillset, who also wrote Alien and Aliens. And uh, Dan O'Bannon is, did started his career by working with John Carpenter on one of his movies. They went to film school together. Um, so there's there's some pedigree to the writers here, and uh, and and the movie itself is based on an old Philip K. Dick story, which borrows um, similar ideas for the premise. Just these you know ideas of memory implantation and personal identity, yeah. that sort of sort of stuff. So, what is Total Recall about? Uh... So we've got a dude. He works construction. He's an ordinary, everyday schlub who is He's also got, Mr. Universe. He, yes. Very buff. Played by Arnie. Got an amazing wife. Sharon Stone in an earlier role. And for some reason, at this point in the movie, a fascination with the shithole Mars. <laughs> We're we're in a sci-fi world. We're we're in the we're in planet Earth uh, at about year twenty eighty around there, and um, it's kind of 
and mankind has sort of begun colonizing the the known solar system a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, there are space tours. Elon Musk sort of really got got going, and instead of just just offering moon tours, he's now rocketing people around Saturn. Truly a dystopia. And um, there's an authoritarian element. Mars is like is this like colonial hellhole that's just yeah. mined for its resources. Um, uh, Earth is kind of we get glimpses of it being kind of authoritarian. There's like the checkpoints in the, uh, in the subway that like scan you for guns, but that's not, you know, it's far more apparent on, on Mars and Arnie is living this life. He's married to Sharon Stone, gorgeous, gorgeous woman. And he's totally dissatisfied with his life and has some bizarre fixation with Mars. And one of the services offered in this universe is you can go to these, he floats the idea by Sharon Stone that they, he wants to take a holiday. Sharon Stone is, is incredibly against the idea of going to Mars because she rightly recognizes it as an absolute hellhole. Uh, but there's a Indeed. service in this in this universe that allows memory implantation. You can basically go to a place, customize a vacation of your choosing, and they implant the memories. It's almost as if you were there yourself, but of course you weren't. But what a... if you have memories of it, why does it even matter? It feels real. What a what a interesting way to instantly take a stab at like almost like thinking about it now almost like a a 1984 level of metaphysics is a vacation a vacation if you only remember going but you never went yeah you're not experiencing it yourself but you do remember you've it. never actually been there but as far as your brain knows you it feels real and it feels real your your brain is being told it happened so does that then garner you i guess it would it's as real as anything else in your mind it would garner you with the same mental health benefits as an actual vacation but that feels a little it still feels a little dystopian to me like absolutely it does and this film is i think very clever in the way it gets into it and i think that's a large part to do with the source material and uh and who wrote these movies um, you know, their familiar familiarity with sci-fi and science fiction concepts, clearly, you know, quite, quite literate. Um, but that's, that's explored in this movie is the sort of theme of personal identity. If your memories are completely different, you of course would be a completely different person. Your thoughts, your experiences, your motivations yeah. would be completely different. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stick to going by the timeline of the movie on this one as much as we did with say Stargate, but that is the one thing that I, really liked about this movie for a movie that i i will admit is not high on my list it, it, it's not great in my opinion but the the idea that in the end the government business people who are running mars came up with this idea to take a man who is uh, like a secret agent of venom completely replace his memory such that he thinks that he was a secret agent of them that betrayed them, who then got his memory replaced into never remembering being a secret agent, so that he would then attempt to continue the betrayal and lead them to the leader of the rebels that they're trying to fight. But the result of that double level of memory alterations is that he becomes the person that they implant, they we're trying to make him be with the memory alterations and ends up actually betraying them 
and defeating them and and saving Mars essentially. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Schwarzenegger's character here is Douglas Quaid, um, and uh, he has a sort of split identity, a dual identity that we learned later on is that he wasn't always Douglas Quaid. Douglas Quaid doesn't actually exist Douglas in the context Quaid of this movie. Was a fabrication of the the quote unquote bad guys as a tool to try and try and achieve ultimate victory yes. using him as Douglas Quaid, the new identity as a pawn and, and revert his identity later on. You know, there's, there's like two, two people who share this head. Um, and, uh, you know, getting back to the, to the sort of premise a bit is that um, Douglas Quaid, Schwarzenegger's character goes to get this vacation memory implanted in his head at this uh, recall uh, facility. And during that process, things go wrong. He is he is what's called a schizoid embolism, you know, some sort of weird adverse response to the uh, to the treatment, and uh, we well his his purpose the well this is actually one of the uh, fun line through lines of this movie is he might be dreaming the entire thing, so what he gets implanted in his mind is this very tailored experience, you know, he 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 sets himself up as a secret agent, this spy who goes to Mar- Mars, defeats the bad guys, you know, gets gets the woman of his dreams, all of that. And uh, and um, everything that happens in the movie eerily mirrors exactly what he planned out in the first place, from the personality of the woman he meets, Melina. And the physical features of the woman he meets. And the physical features, personality, the secret agent, subterfuge, plot. Um, so it stands to reason that everything he experiences might just be an implant. And the way the movie ends with the sort of fade to white might just be him emerging from the dream. That that's a possible interpretation of what the hell's going on um it's not you know completely confirmed or denied which is which is nice having that bit of ambiguity um but yeah i mean it, it, but yeah the the movie continues itself from the recall point um that uh schwarzenegger has a or douglas quaid has a adverse reaction to the uh to the recall machine um apparently his memory has already been sort of rewired, reco- recoded, and they learn this. The, the 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 experts at the recall center, you know, find out that this is why he's having an adverse response. Is that his brain has already been tinkered with, and he can't withstand the the stress of these these new memories, and that sort of triggers everything uh, going forward. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Douglas Quaid gets um, gets hunted by the people who put him there in the first place. They they attempt to kill him. But, you know, his former identity, as we takes over, sort of has already accounted for this contingency, has sort of left steps in place for him to to get his ass to Mars and and figure out what's going on. His fake former identity. His fake former identity. His fabrication. And, and, And as you go through, assuming that it is all true and it's not a dream, well, either way... The premise is that his his fake former identity has set him up to to travel to Mars and make contact with the prostitute who is make, his... yeah make make contact with with the resistance sort of through her and that's is all um, engineered by the main villain the big bad Cohagen and. Through that, he is intended to lead Cohagen and his goons 
to the leader of the rebels and to destroy them. Yeah, as far as Douglas Quaid knows, is that his former identity had a change of heart. Um, as far as he knows and how it's presented to him is that his alternate identity worked for Cohagen, but had a change of heart once he sort of learned the truth of the sort of exploitation and evil perpetrated by Cohagen on Mars, taking advantage of, you know, the, the, the people on Mars. Um, uh, Cohagen and is sort of this, this industrialist, this capitalist who controls the airflow, who controls like the means of production, all this sorts of stuff on Mars. And, and is, is part of the, the capitalist dystopian setup here is that it is implied fairly fairly directly but implied that he has been building inexpensive low quality sort of hydroponic domes that the people live in that isn't because mars doesn't have as much of as at least in this universe i don't know how scientifically accurate this is but it has it's somewhat has less of a atmosphere they haven't generated atmosphere they haven't terraformed mars They're just so yeah everyone lives, lives in these domes and he's been building these lower quality domes for the the let the quote unquote lesser people, the original sort of colonist Martians and their families to live in, that don't properly filter out spatial radiation and that is causing them to have mutations and that's what causes the mutants. A lot of physical abnormalities, weird growths. Including somehow a third breast. In that one of happens. the most iconic scenes of the film, yes, the uh, the uh, three breasted woman. Eh, why not? I think that might and and the, the listeners will know by now because it will open. But I was I was tempted for this movie to make the opening sound effect. <laughs> Gee, baby, you make you make me wish I had a third hand. <laughs> good choice. Like, this movie has a lot of good like non sequitur lines like that, and some good Arnie lines too. Um, but yeah, he gets his ass to Mars. Not after you know everything in his life was was a plant. He realizes his wife doesn't actually love him. She's actually in cahoots with the big bad guys, or you know, in cahoots, but like married or girlfriend of the main bad guy's sort of right hand. Michael Ironside, who plays Richter, and Michael Ironside is is the big bad, the the heavy in like all these movies from the mm -hmm. 80s and 90s. He's like everywhere in, in action movies from, from that era. He does a good he's job great. of it. He's great. Uh, he's, he's a lot of fun. I, I don't buy him being able to physically match Arnold Schwarzenegger, but... I do, I do. <laughs> I do buy the sort of undertone that his wife would honestly rather pretend to be Arnie's yes. wife for as long as needed than go back to being his wife. Why would you go to this, you know, this man, this this chrome dome when you have Arnie Schwarzenegger? Yeah, like, well, I'm, not I'm being be, presumptuous, actually. Not, to, not like, not just you know. Not to just say like, oh, Arnie's an attractive buff man. Like, she can like what she likes. Oh, exactly. No, no attack on the actual actor. But his character is a jackass. Exactly. His character That's... is portrayed as a jerk. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. But I, I guess she's 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 more attracted to that than she is Douglas Quaid. And Quaid is is sort of meant to be this sort of, sort of shy, more meek, I sort guess. of milk toast kind of guy. But they do sort of suggest that she would actually, or at least that he fears his own much as many mean people have his own insecurities sure that he may prefer to to be with arnie because arnie's humongous yes humongous among us yes yeah. and this movie is filled with like a lot of violence and a lot of weird 
uh, practical effects stuff. When he gets to Mars, he's disguised as, <laughs> as as a massive woman, and he has this like elaborate headpiece, robo-head. this giant robo head that starts to malfunction, and he like puts his hands in his mouth trying to get the robo head to stop talking, and it's this this crazy like glitched out sequence. And, you know, the, the the robot head, like, disassembles itself and goes above his head, and then it reveals Schwarzenegger underneath, and it's just this and then it, bizarre, and it bizarre it sequence. And it, and it blows up. up. And, and, and depressurizes the Mars checkpoint TSA. I don't know TSA. how I feel about the hand wave from... They almost catch him. He he does the nose thing to get the tracker out, and and then the rat takes it. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, and then hand wave, spy shit... Now he's on Mars with a. Now he's doing a. He's doing a Mrs. Doubtfire yes. Mars. Like. <laughs> it's a very Mrs. Doubtfire kind of disguise. Oh, I love it. Um, he he has like the fake passports and all the money that his yeah. um, that is that his and alter just, ego left him. And and I'm assuming his alter ego also left him the robo face because I don't think he that's would, one of the things he was left. That yeah. Was implied. We yeah. don't get a lot of details how he got everything cobbled together or assembled. Yeah. You just sort of have to accept but, it, and I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, after that, he gets sort of involved with the resistance, the woman of his dreams, as we as we learn in the recall center, um, Melina, as played by Rachel Tocotin, um which is which is, you know, a great, great sequence. We, we get to see him go through the sort of downtrodden areas of uh, Mars. We see the exploitation um, and uh, and how rough these people have it. They live with like constant fear and violence. They have to pay for air in the first place, which the price of air has just gone the up. The price of air has gone which up, is... which reminds me of a lot of spaceballs where they're running out of air on planet spaceball. And uh, yeah, the the main villain, uh, Cohagen, sort of re- sort of reminds me of like President Scroob. There's something that I've seen. I think maybe it was a cartoon, but where the like. Yeah, you had to pay for air. And it was literally, it was literally like the characters had helmets on with yeah. with quarter slot coin operating <laughs> on the front of their face. That's like, amazing. I'm running. You got change. Anybody got a quarter? Ah, clunk, clunk, that, that's yeah. what Cohagen feels like. He would do that. Like he is a cartoon villain. Like he's a Looney Tunes kind of kind of villain. Um, not exactly the most grounded or realistic, but that's that's part of the fun of this movie is that it often feels like a cartoon. The, the the violence and the effects are like so over the top and ridiculous at times, but it also has like an unusually intriguing science fiction premise and some mm-hmm. very very interesting themes about like reality and memory and and uh, and colonialism going on. It's an interesting premise that or or plot piece that they implanted into into Arnie's brain as part of the fake personality that ended up fake betraying them that ends up causing him to actually betray them that there's this secret thing that has been discovered in the mines of mars which is the whole point of mars yes. is that they're mining this mineral or whatever that's super important and, and they discovered something in one of these mountains it's rumored to be some sort of alien structure but cohagen who is you know the the chief in charge on this planet closed it down and the, has no allows no access to it. point that they embedded that nugget of truth into the whole fake persona yeah that there that there's this thing that has the ability to destroy Cohagen's power over Mars and completely change things that he that the rebels desperately want to get to and that he won't and then 
it's true, and there is this device, and it does destroy him and change everything. Yeah, oddly convenient how that all wraps up. I I I choose to ex I choose to hand wave it away that they put that nugget in there to make the the fake story more believable, so it was a higher likelihood of the mission succeeding. Sure, sure, and not that it's pure stupid luck or pure stupidity. Maybe maybe they just put it in there just because they said fuck it because. Much like many villains in many movies, their downfall here was was their hubris. Yeah, yeah. I think that the, 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 such a ridiculous plan they thought could actually work. There's there's a lot of paranoia and second guessing in this movie. Um, it leads us to one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when Quaid is visited in his hotel room by mm. the who is by a man who is ostensibly a doctor from the recall clinic and basically says, "Hey, you're you're still in a dream. Like you're still in your memories. You're you're still in 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 recall and you can't wake up. I need you to I need you to take this pill. I need you to to trust me and come with me." And then it's his wife and his wife is there. And then his he and, and then he brings, you know, his his fake wife Sharon Stone. I, was, I will tell you on the on the uh, the idea of is it all a dream or isn't it all a dream? I was firmly entrenched in it's all a dream camp. Yeah. Until he kills the doctor and his wife instantly goes like that yeah. from what should be the reaction of, oh my God, you killed the doctor, Quaid. What are you doing, honey, please? To what the fuck? I'm going to kill you now. Yes. And that that broke it for me. Then I'm like, nope. That's. It, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie and some of the best like acting in this movie I think is from Sharon Stone who immediately goes from like calm and uh and and um and uh and easygoing and very level-headed straight into like psychopathic murder rage mode and she just flips a switch and it is quite and quite horrifying. It very well acted, but it's that flip that made me decide, okay, if this is actually all a dream, she wouldn't flip to that. I was expecting him to kill to kill the doctor mm-hmm. and, and her. her so that it left it more open to interpretation as to whether it was a dream or not. Because if she dies before switching back to it's not a dream, I'm trying to kill you, mm-hmm. you don't know. Because you've gotten both sides. Yeah, yeah. You've gotten the you're in a dream, but before that you got the maybe dream version of her trying to kill him in their apartment. It's it's a wonderful mind-bending scene, and the tell that gives it away for the Doctor, Quaid very cleverly asks the question of the Doctor is, well, why don't I just kill you now? And the Doctor goes, it doesn't matter to me, I'm just a sort of implant trying to, trying to guide you back to reality. You know, if you kill me, it does nothing to me, but, you know, to you, you won't be able to ever emerge from this sort of dream again. And what gives it away is the doctor sweat. sweats. A bead of sweat. I missed that. But... Rolls, rolls down his cheek. Oh, and then Quaid goes, oh. And Quaid figures it out. And then a whole bunch of men burst through the walls of the hotel room <laughs> and try to subdue Arnie. It's great. Yeah, I open up. Like... Yep. No, they just, like, burst through the wall Mars? like Kool-Aid man their way through. MBI? 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 Men in... No. MIB? Wait, no. That's a... No, we'll get no, there. no. MBI, maybe, that's maybe another we'll movie. There. Um... But yeah, that leads to a lot of <laughs> a lot of unusual. This movie was criticized a lot at the time it came out for excessive violence, and Paul Verhoeven is no stranger to that. RoboCop is quite gratuitous. There's one scene where a guy is like melting in like yeah. toxic waste and then gets that hit was... by a car and like explodes in in blood chunks. 
Um, it is. It's this this it, this slurry. It's great. Um, and this movie has a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of um, a lot of bullet wounds. A lot of uh, bizarre maiming. Uh, it's 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 quite quite gratuitous, but also quite quite wonderful. It's it, it's relatively tame compared to today, the, but everything in that movie was fine. Yeah. To me, except the the thing that bothered me was the the Mars eye eye. It's a horrifying sequence, and at the end of the movie, it goes on for far too long. I I think it really is it, is is stretched to absurd. And we try not to question. The physics of the of how fast this alien device can generate an entire enough oxygen atmos- to build an atmosphere, like an entire atmosphere around Mars to build enough atmospheric pressure that their faces stop exploding and that their faces can your recover faces, from being your faces so exploded. Don't, wouldn't explode in a zero g or near zero g environment like that. Like the human skin is is strong enough to withstand not, that sort like, of thing. They're basing it off of the science that Mars. Has Mars has its lower gravity, but be which is fair, but it's not about the gravity. It's about the fact that the because there's less gravity, there's less gas trapped around in its gravity field. Mm. There's less air. There's less pressure. The same similar idea to if you take your helmet off in space, not so much your face will explode. In fact, I don't think that's it doesn't true. Explode, no. you, you freeze, but to a certain degree, the fluids in your body like your blood and other well the first thing that'll happen is is they will try to boil because they have more than enough energy to boil when there's no pressure on them keeping them a liquid but very quickly a small amount of that will boil and and you'll radiate a lot of heat through infrared and then you will freeze because space is really cold yeah mars is the same that there's no air there's there is an atmosphere but it's a lot thinner there's a lot less of it so yes, you would have that effect of your you, the 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 fluids in you would try to boil, but also it's extremely cold sometimes. It's not always. It is cold. Your body would freeze or get to whatever temperature brings it to equilibrium and whatever pressure that you would probably not boil. And even if all of the fluids boil, I, yeah, you wouldn't. Ex- I don't think you would explode in that manner. But it's an eighties, and that's a pretty common misconception or assumption oh, yeah. that people have had for a long time and i think that's it comes partly it comes from movies like this and partly these movies take it from the fact that that's what people think would happen yeah. so that's what they got to show people well there's actually a scene in 2001 a space odyssey where one of the astronauts has to get ejected into a zero-g environment and that scene has sort of been praised for for the scientific accuracy for the most part of of the sequence uh, the guy takes a deep breath, which is apparently something you don't want to do. But yeah, you can hold your breath in a like zero G environment and not be, you know, like compressed or have eyeballs explodey um, with like limited exposure. I would think that you would want to write beforehand, much like much like people who are doing deep, who are doing free diving or setting records for for time underwater holding your breath, you sort of hyperventilate Mm. right beforehand. But with space, you would want to exhale as hard as you can first because all the air in your lungs is going to try and expand really rapidly when you no longer have any pressure around it keeping it in. Now, most of it will escape through your 
through your mouth and nose probably because that's the easiest path but it would be better if that just wasn't there Mm -hmm. but you would want to try and build up as much air as you can as much oxygen as you can in your in your the cells in your lungs and in your bloodstream first but yeah there's related to the science of it in total recall mars has like 40% 40% of the gravity on Earth, something like that, yet everyone behaves like yeah, Earth no, gravity. It's not... They, and, and they don't talk about artificial gravity. They don't talk about artificial gravity. It's, it's entirely possible, but... Or... They don't talk about artificial gravity. And even when they get ejected onto the surface of Mar- Mars, yeah. everything is... Everything's just normal. Everything is they Earth gravity. They don't talk about that, and they don't talk about... Um, how space travel works in this universe. <laughs> how how you actually get from Earth to Mars. Yeah, yeah. Or they reference going to Venus, I think. Um, around Saturn. That's like the common One vacation. One of the moons of Saturn. Yeah. You it's can like take that, a trip around Saturn. That's obviously they've got some some near well I don't want to get too scientific with it because that's not the point of this movie, but they've either got faster than light travel or near light speed travel, but near light speed travel has a lot of relativistic things sure. that causes problems. He does get that... to Mars remarkably quick. Well, and like the the idea of let's just take a vacation to one of the moons of Saturn. Well, that trip would take you <laughs> what? Ha- like I don't even know six months a uh, year. Depends how fast you know, travel, right? But if you travel fast enough to bring it down to a short enough span that let's say you take you, a you long don't lose vacation. your your job for you being take, away you take for a like three week vacation and a week of it is spent there a week of it is spent there and a week is spent on a ship there and a ship back mm-hmm. even to do that in a week again you're traveling so fast that like you i i'm not a physicist but i imagine there's some sort of relativistic problems and like weird time shit happens yeah, when yeah. you approach the speed of light. So, there, like, there are probably some weird rules in this universe behind the scenes, but it makes no effort to explain them, and yeah, that's completely fine. I, I, that's not what this movie's about. Especially now. I'm, yeah. This movie has a very different... This movie has a very different feel now that everybody knows the movie. Yeah. Like, everybody knows it well enough that like... Um. Yeah, you're like I don't care. Bring on, bring on the space prostitutes. Or yeah, whatever. That's that's one of the things that I, on... I I love about this movie and about this sort of era that this movie came from is that there are really no pretensions. Like there's, they're not trying to do. They're not trying to subvert your expectations. Tell an entirely new story. Um, it's it's all like rigidly structured, pretty formulaic. Um, and 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 it does it very well. Like we have interesting characters, interesting premise, bizarre visuals, and uh, and a and a pretty pretty memorable premise, um, and it's it's just like an of its time eighties nineties sort of action movie with 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 you know enough uh, of a spark of intelligence to to be an interesting science fiction movie, um, and I think it's really really carried along by that. Like this is this is in the age before. Um, um, <laughs> Where you knew what you were getting with like big budget Hollywood movies, mm-hmm. there was a lot of surprise box offices with that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of like because there was also a lot of you were just getting entertainment. You weren't getting overt uh, political messages or and I think, or bizarre story I think structures. People people would go see a movie that may not be. People would go see people who are not sci-fi nerds 
and maybe aren't in aren't. They saw this because of Arnie. They saw it because of Arnie. Box office. Imagine Sharon Stone had a uh, an amount of pull as well. Paul Verhoeven was kind of on fire at this point, um, having coming fresh off RoboCop. They go here's here's why you should see this movie, and people go, oh okay, not what's it about or. What genre is it? Oh, okay. And you're, they go. You're, you're getting action. You're getting a pulse pounding adventure. And then there's also yeah enough these, these enough famous actors. Famous that... actors. There's also enough intelligence to actually you know be t- be discussed. And then a lot later of down go, the, down a lot the of people line. go see it just based off of that, yeah. not knowing what to expect, and and are often pleasantly surprised. Here's, and then start talking yeah. about yeah. Here's here are some themes of of capitalist exploitation and anti-authoritarianism, something that is explored in like RoboCop and especially in Starship Troopers, which was like a brilliant ahead of its time satire. I think people only really started to understand and get Starship Troopers after after 9/11. Mm. Um uh, that that movie like really really took off like 10 or so years after it actually came out because people didn't get that it was like a satire on fascism. And that, you know, in that universe, everyone is just so indoctrinated by propaganda. All the main characters just become inhuman monsters, like just jaded, you know, horrific human beings uh, by the end of it. They, they become soldiers, which is what the, uh, the, the authoritarian, you know, fascist um, Earth government wants from them. Um, and they're all totally expendable. And that, you know, that's, that's a theme that's there in RoboCop and in Total Recall, but not quite as, like, a, a, not quite as um, in your face or as much as a satire as it is in Starship Troopers. But it's it's there in Total Recall, especially with, with Kohagen, whose, whose name is actually from the Afrikaans language. And uh, there's there's a, um, a parallel there between uh, him... Uh, exploiting the people of of Mars, keeping mm-hmm. them in poverty, keeping them like sort of wage slaves to him, and then you know the, the African mining, for instance. Um, uh, and there's 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 an overlap. There's a there's a there's a connection there. It's good stuff, and it's you know basically a story of how they use technology to break that oppression, to to break those those shackles alien of slavery, alien technology, technology in this case. Um. And that's 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 quite interesting. I, I like that. That's 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 a little more more, a little more depth. A little more. Not that it's you know. I think not that it's like a particular deep movie. I'm not trying to make that that claim. <laughs> but there's there's a little more going on below the surface than uh, than you know an average blockbuster. Yeah, that's the thing. Is I I felt that it. A lot of the themes it tried to run, tried to talk about, were pretty, de- pretty deep. And it's also goofy and schlocky at and the same time. A lot of, a and then lot there's of there's things. a woman, there's a prostitute with three breasts. Like it's there's great. there's the thing. I think the thing that that throws me off about the movie is that juxtaposition. Yeah, of, yeah. Of, I'm not sure how I feel about the like the social commentary and the themes contrasted with the jovial comedy and the weird 80s and the bizarre one-liners where 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 arnold arnold kills kills his is is a fake wife and then goes uh consider this a divorce yeah it's like what the fuck what the hell am i watching or and then like not even you get that and then immediately after you get that was that your wife yeah she's a bitch (laughs) it's like (laughs) 
<laughs> Great. What does he say to Michael Ironside when his arms get get ripped off as they're going up the elevator? I don't remember. Um, I know the scene, but I don't. Oh, it's good. Yeah, I forget too, but yeah, it has the standard like 80s, 90s Arnold quips that you see in, in all of the movies. Like he has the same delivery for all of them. Mm-hmm. That awesome steam, Bennett. Like it's, it's 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 filled with that, and it's and it's great. Like this, yeah. It, there's 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 so much schlock, and there's so much fun to this movie. Um, but there's there's also a lot of a lot of things that sort of sort of stick with you. A lot of interesting stuff, because it it really does have a truly horrifying sequence where he's brought into like the uh, the recall chamber later in the film, and his identity is about to be overwritten. Mm-hmm. Him and his. Uh, uh, him and Melina um, are are about to have their like identities overwritten. Arnold is going to become his his old identity, one that he he hates as <laughs> his new one. Uh, he thinks he's just just an asshole. He wants to be Quaid because that's who he is now. And uh, and his uh, and uh, and and Melina's identity is going to be overwritten as well. And that's that's horrifying. That's like really good psychological horror. It's literal. It's not literal. It's figurative murder. It's, That's a good question. Because yes. you're literally destroying a person. Yeah, yeah. But you're not killing them. You're you're keeping their corporeal body, but it's a different you mind in there. Yeah. Completely erasing their, their identity. entire self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I like talking. This about is why this. I love science fiction because you can actually explore, <laughs> explore these, these things that are that like is... impossible in reality. Some I can't remember who it was who who I said that at some point recently, but like or not recently, but I heard that uh, someone say that that they explained that that one of the number one jobs of science fiction is to in a in a unbiased sort of neutral world explore real world issues or real world concepts so like the simple example is star trek star trek the original series sort of blatantly blatantly disregarding the idea all of the the i like the the themes from the time of you know the much much more obvious than now cuz i'm not going to say it's gone but the much more o- the much more blatant than now systemic sexism and systemic mm-hmm. racism and star trek goes and says well this isn't a real world so people probably won't be that mad let's put a black woman on the on the yeah, yeah. the cuz this is a sort of, of post racial society it doesn't even think of these things it what well, and let, let's put this this black woman as a very important character on the bridge of our ship mm-hmm. and 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 then they go into there's the the original series episode again where they 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 so simply distill racism down is that the space abraham lincoln one no i'm thinking of there's an original series episode i believe it's the original series they distill racism down to a neutral concept mm-hmm. of they find a planet where there's people that the left half of their body is pure, like like they've been painted black, and the right side is they've been painted white, mm-hmm. and they're at war with the people who the left side is white <laughs> and the right side is black. Yeah, pure absurdity. And, and they deal with 
the concept of these people hate each other because the colors are and different. And it looks totally bizarre to and, to all outsiders. A normal a normal person with their 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 preconceived notions about racism and whether they're whether they recognize systemic racism at the time or they don't or they're actively pushing against or actively pushing for it, a lot more people will enjoy the episode and take away some of the concepts that they're trying to portray without letting their internal bias color their 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 Because you're dealing with aliens. Yeah. 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 They're, they're they're You're dealing with something so separated from reality. Yeah, yeah. And that's and and that's what Total Recall is sort of doing and also sci fi is sort of doing is yes. commentary on in this case a less a less politically charged and a less emotionally charged thing in a way for some people but i think i think that nowadays it's actually there's a lot of things about total recall that really don't work today because it, mm-hmm. it's a movie of its time and oh, yeah. with any movies of that there's era, there's some there's, unintentional sexism and racism in there i think for sure right the 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 character who's the cab driver who ends up yeah, actually being an agent i think benny yeah really feels like a caricature of some really oh, yeah not okay things is this. his constant talk of of his his five kids a sort of kids to feed over over sexed lack of responsibility kind of thing and that I, character is you uh, could make a small argument because it turns out he doesn't have any kids he's, uh, he's, he's also a traitor he's also a traitor but you can make there's no moral grounding you can make the argument that 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 i don't think this is true but i could see someone making the argument that the movie was making a commentary on the fact that the perception of what that character should be is a, mm-hmm. is a guy with five kids, and therefore he's leaning into that as his fake persona as a double agent or whatever. Right? Maybe. I don't think that's what they were doing. I think that's just... Yeah, I wouldn't, just... I wouldn't put it past Paul Verhoeven, but it doesn't... I, I don't think the, the movie fully... Um, sort of tips its tips yeah. its hand toward toward that that but that interpretation. I think that in some ways there are some interesting concepts when you deal with the idea of self and the idea of is the person the physical or is the person the the mind? Yeah, the mind has has come back around to be very relevant today. Now that we are we are as a society slowly and far too slowly. And far too ineffectually, in my opinion, but just just sl- very slightly starting to understand the concept and be more accepting, at least I am trying to be, not enough of society is, of there being two people in one body. Mm-hmm. When someone has a headmate, those are both weird. Be careful, it's my head too. Trying to... Ex- <laughs> as they say in the movie. As they say in the movie. But like this, I- the idea that those are two minds in one body. Mm-hmm. Those are two people. So then that, and by that, accepting that means that then yes, erasing that person's mind is erasing that person, and therefore it is murdered. To circle back to where we started on that, mm-hmm. that's where that, that's where I fall on that. Is yeah, yeah, it is murder because interesting. So yeah, the first identity underwent some sort of self killing with the uh, with the hope of some sort of resurrection. It almost feels like. I don't know what the t- what the actual term for it is, but the same thing is when you, for example, 
though generally i think when this happens you are not in a state to make the decision yourself it is your 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 proctor your next of kin whatever mm -hmm. the correct term is but when you agree or someone agrees on your behalf for you to put in to be put in a medical coma yes. for health reasons same idea that he agreed to not exist for a while ah. to achieve this end goal Ooh. the end goal isn't a fun analogy. trying to the end goal isn't trying to save his life. The end goal is trying to defeat the rebels, but yeah, he yeah. is agreeing to essentially not exist for a while. Because... And agreeing to to kill Quaid at the end of it, the other identity. Ooh, very interesting. Yeah, this is one of the things that, you know, sci-fi as a genre, as a sort of mode of storytelling does does so well and so interestingly. You can explore these, you can explore, explore in depth these sort of, you know, premises that can't really be explored in reality. Uh, you can do that with a lot of lot of stories, but science fiction does, for the most part, attempt to have that grounding. It does try and take you out of your own personal circumstances, out of the moment, and put it in a more more abstract sort of light. And it allows to explore these explore these ideas within universe more practically. Uh, yeah, uh, the idea of exploring is the mind a person. It's more practical when you literally have memory wipe machines. Yes, exactly. It it makes these these ideas concrete. <laughs> it's like, like yeah, it's 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 really cool in that regard. Um yeah, it truly is is quite an imaginative um field. It it invites you to use a lot of imagination and empathy and uh, and what ifs. I think it invites speculation. I think I like talking about Total Recall more, more than, than watching I like the movie. Total Recall. Oh, dude, that's that's like... totally fine. That's actually pretty cool. Because yeah, there's a lot of concepts, but the actual movie the actual movie has awesome. some ridiculous, weird crap going on. And yeah, it, and I, it, I I love that it has both. Like so many of those images, like the Schwarzenegger in the in the in the woman <laughs> that in the getup. That, that was one of my that one actually made me laugh. That I enjoyed. I, I think it's meant to. I think it's, it's meant to there, be a little there, silly. There is a comedic element here. There there is a sense where it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, and a lot of that's like Paul Verhoeven's influence because the screenwriters, I think, intended it to be a lot more more serious. Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the the positive qualities of that era of like action sci-fi or just action in general is not taking itself too seriously, yeah. as opposed to things like it's very easy for modern movies to take themselves really seriously and end up not being very good because of it yeah or or trying too hard to make a political point even if it's you know even if it's a good one that it comes across as just preachy and beating the audience over the head with the hammer this movie i i think is political i think there is a strong anti-authoritarianism maybe even anti-capitalist element um in the through line of this movie but it doesn't beat you over the head with it it sort of lets you explore and, and discover it yourself um but yeah, a, a lot of modern films they have to, they almost have to brand themselves as being and, uh, being political. And also, just like even ones that aren't necessarily trying to make any kind of political message or or make any kind of statement, I'll use these as an example. And there are they are actually movies I enjoy and that a lot of people have enjoy enjoy. But I think the reason that the people sometimes who don't enjoy these movies is because of this, is. Where the Fast and the Furious franchise has gone, mm. it has always taken itself pretty seriously, in my opinion. It seems like it does. And it started out grounded in a little bit of realism. Like, Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, The Fast and the Furious. 
those three movies were just about a cop who ends up betraying the police after going undercover with some street racers. Mm-hmm. It's not ridiculous. They're not jumping. They're not jumping three million dollar cars out a window on the Burj Khalifa. <laughs> they're not. That's the catch- best stuff. Like they're not catching. They're not catching cars with tanks. They're not or catching cars with with fake jets. They're not racing across the frozen ocean in 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 the Arctic, racing away from an ex-Soviet nuclear submarine. They're you know it's just some street racers, and they've just kept upping the ante. And they mm-hmm. still take them. They still take themselves seriously. They're meant to be a serious movie, but they're so ridiculous. Yeah. I still enjoy them for their own thing, but I think more and more people. Have they seem gravitated towards them because of like that. That, that some people are value. super in for the, the 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 ridiculousness. Yeah, but I think some people also definitely are not. They look at it and go, "This is basically a comedy, but it's not trying to be a comedy, and therefore I don't like it." Mm-hmm. And if they took themselves a little less seriously, I mean, I don't know. Have you seen any of the Fast and the Furious? Specifically, have you seen Tokyo Tokyo Drift? Drift? Absolutely. The newest Fast and the Furious brings back it brings back uh, the main character. He looks real weird now; he's old. But the main mm-hmm. character, um, the one character who was I can't remember any of their names, but the character who did all of the who was like a, a weird side character who did all of the engine tuning. And what's his name that was always selling shit? You know who I mean, though, right? I know what you mean. I, I can't remember the name of the character or the actor. And the the story that they tell when they bring them back is is that these three characters have moved from Japan to Germany, and this this kid who in the in the we original, almost have all the Axis powers. Is this what the Fast and Furious is really about? This kid who in the original movie was just a kid who could drive pretty good is is apparently the the takeaway they took from that for the next time they show up in the movies most recently is that he was a he was a mechanical genius mm-hmm. and then this guy that was a small side character who knew how to run a laptop for changing ECU settings for tuning a car for drifting is also a mechanical genius and they're now building rocket cars and and the guy who was like the the entrepreneurial selling everybody iPods and and stuff is now selling these rockets for them and wheeling and dealing. And that leads into, like, there's a, a super weapon that they have to stop that's based on a satellite. So these guys build the main characters a rocket-powered Fiero and they fly <laughs> that to space. Nice. Like, what the fuck is going... Like, that level of ridiculousness. Nobody, or a lot of people, that doesn't work. Because they, they are taking it super seriously that they're flying a freaking Fiero to space. Oh, that's some glorious campiness. Mm. And you're like, but like in the 80s... But it's played like totally straight-faced. 80s, late 90s, they would have made some jokes about it and they would have been a little bit... They talk a little about more tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. They need a... Movies like that that go super serious, they need a Han Solo. They need a character in there so to, to make be a little fun more dry and to break it down, yeah. Literally, a character there to make fun of the ridiculousness of the situations they're in. Yeah. 
And 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 this movie doesn't specifically have that, but it has it has enough ridiculous enough sort of humor about its own ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Some of the one-liners and shit. It's always nice when the movie doesn't take itself too seriously, but at the same time has that sort of undercurrent of seriousness and 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 things that you can you know pick up on and does genuinely have a have a point to make. Even if there is something cartoonish or, or schlocky about it. Which is what I love about Total Recall. Whenever this movie is on TV, I, I, I pretty much watch it all the way through. Like whatever whatever point you started at, my, you can just my watch. Pro- my problem with that statement is not anything except who still watches TV. Oh, I, I, fair enough. I mean, I'm, I, well, I, I, I haven't watched, I haven't seen it on TV in like six years. But I'm talking about like yeah, old school, sure. you know, cable. Because this would be on all the time. The Fugitive would be on all the time. Hunt for Red October. These okay. are movies that you can just put on and watch. Are we going to add that to our list? Hunt for Red October? Um, or is that one too We can dumb? talk about it. I, I, That one... We can talk about adding it, I mean. We can talk about adding it? Okay. I almost... Yeah. Anyways, uh, I think just to wrap up, we, again, as with all movies, we have to give it our sheen beans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are you thinking? Um, you enjoy talking about it more than you do watching yeah, it, which, which I, is its own thing. I think. Yeah. I think it's about on par with Stargate for me. Yeah, fair about, enough. About a six, a six-ish sort of. Rating. For me, it's probably a bit higher. I, I, I'd put it closer to to an eight. I, I think this is just solid, solid entertainment all the way through. Um, glorious, glorious Schwarzenegger. Uh, the roles are great. It's. It's cartoonish. It's it's fun. It's well paced. You barely feel the two hours. Um, I mean, if you like science fiction or movies of the era, or are just interested in 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 weird, wonderful movies, I think this is absolutely a must watch. It's one of my favorite action science fiction movies of the nineties. Okay, well, I didn't. This part I didn't plan out super great. We're supposed to announce what movie we're doing next. Ooh. Here. I'm not letting you I'm not letting you say no. We're doing Battleship. Oh god. The twenty sixteen-ish? The twenty sixteen-ish Hasbro made Battleship the board game into a into a movie. Oh god. We're doing... I, I know nothing about it. I Perfect. Is it like Okay, I guess I guess I'll find out what it's all about <laughs> when so, when we watch if it. you want to tune in to the next episode that will be in an unknown amount of weeks, as I've said at the end of the first, all three of these episodes so far, we haven't decided on the schedule yet. We'll figure that out. You'll know by now when what the schedule is. If you want to, before next episode, go find yourself a copy of Battleship. I'm sure you can get it through YouTube movies if you must. Eh, you don't need to, like, you don't need to go see it in IMAX. I don't think you could. You it's don't been... need to sail the high seas in order to find it? No, you do not. And we do not advocate for that. No, of course not. But you can find it. It's out there. It's not in theaters anymore, obviously, because it's been out uh, quite a while. They need to, in the, in the grand tradition of bringing back movies to theaters, Battleship, I think, is sort of top of that list. You know? Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so check that out if you want to before the next episode, and we will be back talking at you in some time, I guess. <laughs>